73rd time, welcome to the Weekly Harvest Podcast. My name is Chris Cabbage. You can call me Falco, Director of Game Day Operations, Community Relations with the Brandon Wheat Kings, the in-arena voice of the team, joined with uh, the radio voice of the team. Hello, Rob, man. Well, it is good to be back in the studio again, Chris. Uh, you know, calling you Rob Mahone is starting to kind of catch on around the office. It oh, almost it? slipped out right there. I was gonna say I could tell there was a pause there that wasn't really uh, wasn't really natural. What would actually made me think about it was we we just had the next gen kids night and a couple of the kids they they didn't know what your name was they just saw it printed out so they were calling you Rob Mahone and then I started no it's actually Rob Mahone and the kids got a little <laughs> laughing to that and whatever but I've tried uh, to tell yeah. you it's Roby Wan Kenobi that would be great Roby Wan. Uh, hey, that was a great weekend, wasn't it? It was, it really was. And I know we're past the point in the year where moral victories should be claimed too often, but the Wheat Kings had one of those against the Saskatoon Blades, no question about it. Now, they had two of the other kind against the Red Deer Rebels and Swift Current Broncos. And the team is in a bit of a gauntlet on that one. Like, Red Deer was nipping at the heels of Moose Jaw for third place when the weekend began. Swift Current loaded up at the deadline. They are just loaded to the rafters right now with offensive talent, and they're ahead of the Wheat Kings in the standings. And, of course, the Blades are, you know, the best team in Canada, depending on who you talk to. So I think that would be a pretty gauntlet-esque weekend that the Wheat Kings had to wade through. And at the start of the weekend, if you would have told them, hey, you're going to get four out of six points, they probably would have said, yep, take that and run. And they got four even going into the last game. And it was very possible that they would have been able to get the fifth or sixth. Like the tying goal against Saskatoon was not far away. There were some really close chances. Ultimately, not able to break through that Blades defense. But four or six points is excellent. More than keeps pace in the playoff race. At one point, I really thought it was about to be tied up there. The camera angle in Saskatoon's a little wider out on the feet, right? So you can't really tell. There was that scrum around the net. It looked like McQueen was about to pounce on that 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 puck, but actually squirted out the other side. Anyway, that was great pressure at the end. And when most teams at the end of three and three, you talk about hitting a wall, which I mean, even our teams have done before. They didn't hit a wall there. They they played really well against the Blades, and it came down to those final seconds. And when you hear three and three, you think that's bad enough, but then you stop to consider the game against Swift Current the night before went to overtime, and the game against Saskatoon started at four o'clock yeah. in the afternoon. Quick so that yeah. that is a really quick turnaround, quicker even than it otherwise would have been, because that game against Swift Current was slow. I don't mean slow in terms of the pace. I just mean there was a lot of whistles in that hockey game. So that game went later than it otherwise would have. You're getting out of Swift Current later than you otherwise would. And you're arriving in Saskatoon at an awkward time only to play again at 4 o'clock the next day. And to still have that kind of jump in your step, that's some mental fortitude right there. Uh, not to be jumping all the way back and forth, but we have not talked in a couple of weeks here on the pod. It just, it's been one of those times of the year when... You know, when you work in junior hockey, things can get very hectic. And uh, even though all the home games haven't been piling up, the games certainly have. Uh, after we had that Alberta road trip and now this quick 3-3. Three and three, So uh, going back to Friday night with that next-gen night when we had kids involved with everything. From uh, on the PA to on the radio with you, Rob, to uh, our game hosts throughout the night, our junior referees. Uh, Jillian, the 10-year-old singer who like blew everybody away at the start. 
What a voice, eh? Oh, man. After the game, we, we mentioned to the players and staff that we thought the night had gone really well, and they were all saying the same thing. Boy, who was that anthem singer? She was terrific. Yeah, it was overall, it was a great, great night. Uh, shout out to you for also ending the Toyota video with the, uh, <laughs> I'm hungry, can I get a snack now? Uh, which I'll, I'll tell you right now, my eight-year-old, Briar, he loved that callback. Here's the thing. Uh, I've never said that at the end of a Toyota pregame report, but I've always thought it. It's always been on my mind. So, Briar, you encouraged me to be my truest self and to uh, demand snacks after I finish any portion of my work. Yes, he does that a lot, so that's all good. Uh, but it was it was an absolute blast on Friday night with that. It was a great crowd, too. Over 3,700 strong here at Westwood Place, making a whole lot of noise for the guys, which I know they appreciated. Uh, I mean, you, you you had all those kids that were involved. We had the CAA salute to school patrols. We're like over 400 school patrols throughout the region were here. On top of that, it was one of the TOCs happening, and there was like 16 teams who had group orders who were here. So everybody was having fun. It was a loud crowd. It was a fun crowd, and uh, it was uh, something we're definitely going to be doing again. As, as it was our second ever uh, next gen, but you can bet that's going to be on the docket for next year as well. Absolutely, and it should be. You know, the kids had a blast. The players love it when there's kids in the stands because they remember themselves. A lot of them are from WHL communities, so they remember going to these games as a kid. Those were their hockey heroes, getting to see those guys up close, and they remember being in those seats themselves. So to be able to be performing for those fans. That's big for them. They love it when the rink is full, generally. But when it's full of young kids, kids whose memories they can identify with, that's even more special. Definitely. And then, so yeah, then the guys go on that quick road trip, uh, as we heard from Briar as well. One home game and then two fast road games on the road. Uh, but uh, we just covered that that Swift Current game, though. For them to turn around from this big high at home ice to load on the bus and have to go all the way to Swift to play that game, play against a team that last time it was here did not go our way. And you look at the way that game went, and all the way through, Rob, it was like there was the pushback. There was the pushback. And then that goal from Nolan Flamman in overtime, I think it's going to be a safe bet that finally on the top 10 plays of the week, we're going to have one that's for us. Yeah, I think you'll see that one on the top 10 plays of the week. I asked Nolan about it beforehand. He's such a good passer that I think the Broncos, aware of his ability to dish the puck, kind of split off to deal with Charlie Ellick. They gave him the entire middle. As soon as he saw that, he went, okay, see ya, and took right off. And when we talk about Nolan Flamin's offensive game, you think about where he scores his goals, redirections in front. He's really good at the goal line. He's really good at the mouth of the crease. You don't necessarily associate that with speed. He showed some speed there. And he's gotten that extra gear really since December rolled around. I was just crunching some numbers. He's got eight points in his last nine games, which puts him on a really impressive pace over the course of a whole season. And he's one of the guys that's elevated since Christmas. When you talk about quick hands and about smart hockey IQ, that's that guy that they're probably looking for that dish pass, which is what he's been known for lately, right? Finding those outlets, trying to trying trying to trying to find the trying to find the play. But yeah, the way that he just saw the middle open up and went for it, and a beautiful move as well to to, to get on through. So it was a great weekend, all in all, for your Brandon Wee Kings. Now we are right back to a couple of home games, and uh, first of all, the game that's happening tomorrow night. It is the final Willie Wednesday of the year, which uh, I know you're going to miss Rob because uh, if anybody likes $2 hot dogs, it's going to be you. Oh, I do enjoy my hot dogs. I, there's no point in going to the gym if you can't enjoy hot dogs. And I do, uh, when we get them in the media room, I'm never sorry. And we do occasionally get them in the media room. I bet you tomorrow night they're probably in the media room. Well, see, that's the thing. We've gotten them in the media room on nights where the, <laughs> the visiting broadcaster 
hasn't seen our media room in any other state. Well, the Edmonton Oil Kings recently had a changeover in their broadcaster. Andrew Peard is off to work with the Edmonton Oilers. That's He's moved right. up the ladder. So this is going to be the first, and barring a truly unusual playoff situation, only visit for the new Oil Kings broadcaster who's going to get his first impression of our media room. And I feel like the way things have gone this year, hot dogs or pizza? What, what, what are we going for here? What it's do we Willie think? Wednesday. He's going to get the hot, hot dogs, dogs for sure. He is. Uh, so Willie Wednesday, it is $2 hot dogs for all. It is $10 all-in kid tickets. That's with fees, with taxes, 10 bucks for youth and kids. So hopefully we can see you out here Wednesday as it is the Battle of the Kings. And then Friday night. People love theme jersey nights, and this one, I think people are really going to get on board, is the fan the fan design jersey. So this is the contest that Superstore has run for the last number of years, where they're asking for you, the fans, to design your favorite jersey. What should the Wheat Kings wear? Well, uh, one lucky person had their design chosen, and we are now going to get to don that coming up on Friday. And uh, with that special, we haven't released uh, the whole images yet, but on the pod here, we're going to tell you at least this part of it. Uh, the main crest is going to be the throwback logo. The old, some people call it the muffin top. Mm-hmm. Some people call it the nuclear explosion. Some call it, it does the, look like a mushroom cloud. The whole mushroom, whatever it is. But the the wheat bushel is coming back on this jersey. It's a sharp looking jersey. And we've done pretty well on the jersey front this year. I mean, the Wheat City Walleye jersey, the new thirds. Everything's gone pretty well according to plan. And there's another one coming yet, but we'll dive into that more later. But this one does look good. And the fact that it's coming on a night where the Wheat Kings are playing the Lethbridge Hurricanes, where the game has real teeth to it in the standings, that is a nice little touch. You get that nice jersey, you get a team the Wheat Kings have A, had some success against, and B, need to keep having success against. And you get a pretty good recipe for, I think, a good crowd. I'm hoping to see a lot of people out that night. I would expect Friday to to have a good cheering section for the Wheat Kings. It's going to be a whole lot of fun as we get ready for that. Now, as for our uh, guest here this week, this was actually an interview that, uh, as we record this, it's the start of the week. We actually caught up with him right before the weekend. So uh, if there is a couple of questions in there that you're like, ah, they're talking about the weekend. Uh, Yeah, we things got very, very hectic. And all of a sudden, we just... <laughs> we're, we're spoiling the magic here, but things do happen in this office from time to time. Where, unfortunately, at times, us getting to sit and uh, just talk has to be pushed back just a little bit. So, But uh, it was it was a great interview, and I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. So just earlier today, uh, we are having Jackson D'Souza on this week's pod. Uh, earlier today, I did have Jackson out as one of the two guys for the Read to Succeed. It was him and Rhett Ravendahl. Jackson and Rhett too, but Jackson phenomenal with the kids as you're going to hear in this interview as well just how well spoken he is he's a good talker and he's always willing to speak and that's that's something that you know I've always said that hockey playing and public speaking are two separate talents it's the reason that a lot of broadcasters aren't necessarily good hockey players but every now and then you do get somebody who is blessed with both talents and Jackson D'Souza might be one such guy and he's He's the kind of ideal guest for this podcast from a media perspective. He's a guy that ideally you want to take into the community because you know how he's going to be with the fans. We got a little bit of an idea of this when we first made the trade with Kelowna. Uh, Paige with the Rockets reached out to me and we were going back and forth on you know trade graphics and so forth. And she told me, you know, I'm really genuinely sorry to see Jackson go. We've had so much fun with him over the last couple of seasons. He's been such a treat to work with. You're going to love this guy. Lo and behold, he comes in. Uh, for you and I, like for our respective roles, he's a dream player. Yeah, he's, he's you know what, let's just get into it, because you're going to get to hear firsthand, just to get how well-spoken he is and uh, and how excited he is to be a Wheat King. So here's our talk with Brandon Wheat King, 
defenseman wearing number two. It's a big numbers you're going to hear right off the bat. Here it is, Jackson D'Souza, last week live in the Week King studio. Live back now here in the Week King studio, we are joined with this week's guest on the Weekly Harvest podcast. We've got Week King defenseman, the first guy to wear number two since a pretty cool Week King we're going to talk about. This is Jackson D'Souza. Jackson, how are you? Not too bad. Yourself? Doing really good today. Thanks for joining me and Rob here. I don't know. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on. I mean, we always have guys on, it seems like, after they come in and trade, but between Christmas and one thing or another, we haven't had a chance to really sit down with you and introduce you to Weed Kings fans. And then, of course, almost immediately upon you getting to Brandon, there was a stretch of time where we couldn't really talk to you because you were dealing with a an injury that I think you would be the most likely guy to get on the team. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was an interesting introductory to uh, to Brandon, but luckily nothing nothing too bad happened from it. Just missed two games, so here we are. I uh, you have been in the league for a, you know a couple of years. What was uh, what was it like when you first heard the news that you were going to be coming to Brandon? Uh, I was excited. Uh, first guy I thought about was Nolan Flamin. Obviously, we were really close in Kelowna, so uh, knowing that I was coming here to uh, to reunite with him was going to be pretty awesome. And there was a couple guys um, who got traded from Brandon to Kelowna who told me only good things about the organization and and the guys here. So I was just really excited. You came in right kind of smack in the middle of December, and then things immediately started to take off for the team. What's it like coming to a new team and then right away the guys go on a winning streak? It was awesome. You know, it, it, you obviously want to be on a team that's winning games, and uh, obviously the culture and the vibe around the rink is always so much better when, when the guys are winning and the guys are feeling good. So, I mean, it, it'd rather come into that than, than a losing streak for sure. So it was awesome. I Let's just talk about you growing up playing hockey. What was your development like? You know, because obviously now playing the game – defensemen normally we talk to you in defensemen at this age when you were younger those kids were still little superstars out there dangling and doing whatever what, what, what was your growth like though yeah uh, I mean I started playing minor hockey in Colorado and then uh, my brother when he was 15 he went to the Pursuit of Excellence Academy in Kelowna and I went for my band of draft because I always wanted to play in the Western League and I mean, just like you said, I was actually an offensive defenseman. I was skating the puck a lot, uh, getting more points and all that stuff. And then right when I went to Kelowna when I was 15, um, I just noticed it was, you know, the pace was a lot faster and I wouldn't be able to get away with skating the puck as much and, and doing what I usually do. And it, and it hit me till I was going into my 17 year after COVID uh, the D coach in Kelowna sat me down and he just said if, if you really want to progress and really want to play a pro level you got to go more into this shutdown role and at first I was a little like I was hesitant I didn't want to do it you know obviously being offensive offensive is so fun and doing all that stuff but uh, I took it to heart and, and really honed in on just little stuff boxing out being hard in the corners and stuff like that and it, and it was an interesting adjustment but I mean, I'm really glad he sat me down like that, right? That those are the coaches you want to have that have your back because he could have just said, you know, just keep playing and just see what happens. But, you know, we, we had a hard conversation of this is how you need to play if you want to progress to the next level. Cologne has got that reputation, too, of being a, a factory for defensemen. Like, the list of alumni there is incredible. If you walk down the hallways in Cologne, the guys who've worn that jersey who are blue liners, what was it like learning from guys in a system where you know they've sent a ton of players onto the next level? Yeah, I was really excited, and obviously uh, one of the big alumni of, of Shea Weber. You know, he, he was always a guy that I looked looked up to growing up, and um I mean, even when my my D coach said that and he actually brought him up by name of, you know, this is what he had to do as well. And that really stuck with me because obviously he had a phenomenal career and and he still sticks around Kelowna and I got to meet him a couple times, which was honestly amazing. I mean, to to walk 
buy Shea Weber and have him call you Suze with something that I'll, I'll tell my kids that for sure. It was <laughs> like, it was awesome. So just knowing that, uh, you know, they've, they've done it with so many other guys, it, it gets you excited. And I want to hone in on another Rockets alumni here for a second, because you would have grown up watching this particular alumni, Tyson Berry in Colorado. I was so relieved when you told me on the recent road trip, you grew up an Avs fan. It's nice to have another one in the building somewhere. Yeah. Everyone's all Oilers fans and all that. And I just, oh God, I can't, I can't even get started on the Leafs fans, the, the Oilers fans, you know, it's, it was nice. I and mean, we had a big Stanley cup win. So that was huge. Uh, I actually remember I was working at Lulu when that happened and I was just screaming and all my coworkers just looked at me like I was a ghost or something, but it meant a lot for the fan base and for Colorado. I remember exactly where I was when that uh, when that Stanley Cup was hoisted and I think I will forever and I'm watching I was, I was with uh, with a woman in Prince Albert at the time watching on her couch and she's looking at me she's like I've never seen you cry before but I feel like you're pretty close to crying right now like it's been 21 years leave me alone yeah, yeah. and especially like when I was in Kelowna I, I billed it with my brother and he's a huge Avs fan so he'd be watching the podcast after games and stuff like that so I mean him and I we sent a bunch of stuff together and we were, we were happy that uh, Avs got it done. So you mentioned obviously playing, you know, in Colorado and, and and then growing up. What was your first NHL experience? Was that an Avs game? Is that is is that what set you down the hockey path when you were a kid? What, what set me down the hockey path was actually my brother Noah. It was uh, just watching him play, yeah, like you were saying. Yeah, he was a goalie, and um, just went to his games, and I actually just got jealous of the fact that he was playing hockey and made me want to do it. And then um, that really kind of got me into it, and. Yeah, my brother was a big part of me playing hockey for sure. And Colorado's system has developed, I know, a lot over recent years, like that AAA Thunderbirds program. We talked a bit with Mateo Michaels about playing for the uh, Bishop Kearney Selects, I believe it was. Were you a, a Thunderbirds alumni? Yeah, I was a Thunderbird alumni, and it, Mikey still actually gives me some grief when I wear my old T-Birds hoodie around the rink sometimes because he used to play for the Stars. And um, Yeah, no, my brother and I, we both came up in the Thunderbird organization. It was awesome, and uh, he was fortunate to, to play with uh, – would have Joe Sackick and Adam Foote as a coach at, at one point because their kids were the same age as my brother. So growing up around them was 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 awesome and doing the big Quebec Pee Wee tournament, especially when, when Sackick was the coach, right? Going to Montreal, like it was a mess. Like they would we would have so many people following the bus and following the team around just to, to be around Joe in, in Montreal. So uh, yeah, the Thunderbirds were amazing. You talked about the history of Kelowna pumping out defensemen. Uh, the, the the Wheat Kings, in their own right, have a lot of goaltenders as of a late, like, you know, uh, recent years, but some big D-men as well. When you came here and you were given the number two, was there any discussion about Braden Schneider at the time? Yeah, a couple, couple of was, the boys brought it up. I mean, uh, I wasn't too sure what my number was going to be going into it. I mean, when, when the trade happened, it was all so quick. Like, it went from... You know, going back to the rink, picking up some extra sticks and stuff like that, figuring out how to get here. Obviously, uh, there was the uh, walleye night. I was supposed to play in that and then unfortunately got held up in, in Calgary. So everything ran really fast. And then once I got here, yeah, a couple of the boys mentioned uh, a Schneider when I when I walked in with two. And two's just a defenseman's number. Like, I know Schneider's number is, you know, Schneider's name is attached to that number after his excellent career here. But when I think of defenseman numbers, two is like the first one that comes to mind besides number four. Yeah, two, three, five. Yeah, all those little numbers are all D numbers. Oh, it's, of course, just, you know, a classic number and, and lots of great twos throughout even the Wee King history. It's just one of those things that, you know, when somebody is a captain with the Wee Kings, they typically hold that number back for at least a year, which the organization did. But when you pass it on, there's certain numbers that just have characteristics of the player that's good 
going to wear them. Mm-hmm. And you are a number two. Yeah. Just the way that you play, you yeah. play like a number two. And we've seen that already on Home Ice. The fan base has appreciated that. Uh, you know, we talked about, Rob mentioned how you jump into already, you know, a team that 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 has been winning and has had success. Also have had to face a little bit of uh, adversary, uh, you know, as of late. As we head into a very busy weekend that we have the home game Friday night and you guys hit the road for two big games on Saturday, Sunday. What's the general vibe in the room right now coming off of this road trip? Well, I mean, during the season, there's a lot of ebbs and flows, right? You can't ride the roller coaster of being too high, especially when, you know, we came off that big win streak and you can't get too low when we're in times like this, right? So at the end of the day, you just got to go back to being confident in yourselves, knowing that we are a good hockey team, that we trust the guys in the room, we trust the coaches, we trust management. And, you know, knowing that we can get it done ourselves, you know, and there's a tons of teams, especially in the division, that have loaded up and made their push and made their staple that, you know, they're going to be a championship team. And we had a meeting after of just saying, why not us? Like, we can do it as well. We're confident in the guys in here. And, you know, the older guys are leading the way and the younger guys are, are pulling their part. They're doing what they need to do to make this team successful. So going into this weekend, it's more of just getting back to how we play and having fun doing it, you know. You're having fun, you're playing well, things are going well. It's being confident in yourself and just playing the game. That veteran presence you mentioned in the room on the blue line is really strongly represented by your pair. You and Luke Shipley are the two elder statesmen back there. And through all the little moves and the little juggling that's had to be done because of injuries or guys being away in Charlie's case at the top prospects game, it seems like you and Luke Shipley have been a constant. What's it been like playing with him? Uh, it's, it's awesome. I mean, he's, he's a pretty offensive guy, so uh, there's times where I'm thinking of jumping in the rush and... Uh, you know, just being a second wave, I, I look over and I and I see Shipper already in there and in the mix. So, uh, I you know I tell him I you know do what you do. You know, I, just know I will be back here. So you can push the push the pace, push the puck, skate fast, like do whatever you need to do. I'm gonna be back here and I'll hold it down. So, it's uh it's been awesome playing with Shipper. He's got great feet. He sees the game really well and yeah, he's a good partner. He just loves hearing the office theme song. Oh, oh, we all do now. That's and I was, I was happier than that. It's my favorite show. I'm currently re-watching it for the ninth time. So Ninth time. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and you got a road amazing. trip coming up to re-watch oh, it so on. I like, got way more, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, being one of those you know veteran guys now, when you look at the guys coming into the league, in, in, into the room, is it more... Is it more fun, like in a different way, these the, the these days? Like what I'm trying to get at is that when like when you first come in the dub, I'm sure that it's fun because you're playing hockey and it's new and it's the highest level. But now they've been around for a couple of years, and you know you're on another team. Are you appreciating more, like Absolutely. like what it is to be in the locker room and then seeing these other you know younger kids coming up and just you know speak on on some of the talent because it, it seems like from our perspective up in the box, there's some really talented young kids out in the on the ice there. Absolutely. I mean, especially for myself, uh, when I first came in the league, obviously, you know, it's fun. You know, the, the lights are bigger, the lights are brighter, there's more crowds, and it's amazing. But um, it, it's tough being a younger guy feeling involved in the team, especially for me when I came up. So now knowing that, you know, I'm a 20-year-old, and uh, I wanted to make their experience better than what mine was and making sure that everyone, you know, has a say in the room, everyone wants to hang out with everyone. You know, it doesn't really matter how old you are. Like, you're part of the team, you're a brother. So um, it's fantastic. I mean, the room in here is phenomenal, it, especially when I got traded here. You know, you're always wary of, of what the guys are going to be like, what, you know, what the vibe is. And it took me five days to get tight with all the boys. Like, it, it was just like that. And the talent that we have is, is unbelievable. Obviously, Chuck doing his thing and going to the top prospect game, you know, all the boys are super pumped for him. And 
you know, we got uh, Clip. He's he's a heck of a player, and and he steps up when we need him to. And everyone everyone pulls their weight, and it's uh, it's awesome. And I'm glad you brought up the room because it seems like, you know, we got Jaden Weens on here and we had Mateo Michaels after he was acquired. And all the players the Wheat Kings have brought in throughout the season, and there have been a few guys coming in and out, they've all said the same thing about the locker room. Like, it's just a really good place and an easy team to be a part of. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, and uh, actually my brother who, he came to the Alberta swing and obviously, uh, you know, we none of us were really happy after how we ended the weekend and I was chatting with him and he goes, you know what, man, like the end of the day in three years when when you're out of the league and you're going to school or you're playing pro or whatever you're not going to remember you know the score and how you play in those games you're going to remember the boys right and and knowing when you have a good room it just makes everything so much better in every facet the other thing that the guys always remark on when they come over to the Wheat Kings is the state of the facilities. You've got the dressing room, you've got the weight room right here in the rink. How does it stack up with Kelowna? Because Kelowna, I recall, having a pretty nice facility. Yeah, uh, the facilities here are unbelievable. I mean, uh, when Flammer picked me up from the airport and I dropped my gear down here for the first day and uh, he was just showing me things so casually and I was just in awe and he's just like, it's different, eh? And I go, yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot different. I mean, to be able to have two tubs, cold and hot tub, you know, a nice dry room. I mean, the facilities, I, I can't say enough about it. it it's it's just so professional, and uh, it's amazing. No, it's, it's absolutely awesome. Um, I just love how guys react like that, right? Because sometimes, you know, locally, they, they can kind of just get spoiled with it over, over the years and kind of get, get used to it, but getting an outside perspective like that, it's definitely cool to hear. Oh, yeah. uh, you've put on a lot of jerseys, I'm sure, over the years. What is uh, the coolest jersey? Because we got a couple of themed jersey nights coming on up. I know you just missed the walleye night, which is very unfortunate. Uh, well, yeah, you know, through the years, what's some memorable jerseys? You've been a part of some crazy themed jerseys out, out west as well, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, the the walleye one would have definitely took the cake. I was really excited to, to play in that game. And then to hear that there was a special jersey going on after I was talking are you, to my dad. Are you are, are you are you a fisherman? Oh yeah, I'm a big fisherman. Yeah, yeah. Well, you two fishing. you two just bonded. Yeah, that so I was I Do we just become best friends? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I was okay. I was really excited. I mean, man, there's so many jerseys and I mean you, you remember them at the time, and then when you look back at it, they're all a bit of a blur. <laughs> I mean, what, what jersey I really wish was uh, my 16-year-old year. I was cut, but I got called up, and it was a Spider-Man jersey for the Rockets. Ooh. Oh, cool. That's a good uh, one. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, I couldn't play in that game, but looking back at it, those jerseys were pretty sweet. I always, I always appreciated the, uh, the paint the rink pink. I gotta say it really slow, or I'll mess it up. But uh, just those jerseys—I mean, they're always smooth and simple. And uh, Kelowna this year, we had we had really good jerseys for that. So I'd probably have to go with those. Everyone's got something they've got to say slowly, or they will mess it up, no matter how simple yeah. it seems to other people. My yeah. thing, as I found out years of morning radio, is Canada Day. If I try to say Canada Day too fast, I will trip over my own tongue. It is—I don't know what it is about those two D's close together. It messes yeah. with my brain. Everyone's got a tongue twister. Exactly. The standings out west, because if we look at them. And now that we're done with Western opponents on the year, I think maybe we're not paying as close attention, but there is a pretty clear delineation between the teams who are contending and the teams who are already out of the picture. Like, it seems like the standings are very different. And I recall going west to BC last year with the Raiders, and it seemed like the style of hockey was a little different. Does it feel like it's, and I'll get your perspective, having played both, does it feel like it's rougher out east, like the game's a little more physical? Absolutely. I think 
the, the I think the game itself in the Eastern Division is, is a lot faster. I mean, you get used to playing the same teams in the West and, and figuring out their systems and stuff. And um, I mean, it, the teams in the East, I notice they stretch the zone a lot more. They use their feet a lot more. It's way more physical. And I mean, I, maybe it's just because teams are close, but there's you know there's bad blood in every game you play you know there's you know someone's got beef with someone and or you know game before they left a bad taste in your mouth and you you got to get it back so i mean the competitiveness is i think a lot stronger over here podcast listeners might have referred or heard me referring to prairie hockey in the past like that really ultra physical brand that seems to suit saskatchewan manitoba and to a lesser degree alberta and i think you're seeing that in the east division like throughout the eastern conference every team seems like somebody wants to take your head off on any given night yeah you gotta love it like that, those again those are the games you want to play right these are the situations you you want to be in and uh it, it's awesome so with that being said, favorite build you know, you played in every rink in the dub. What's your favorite building to play in? It'd have to be Seattle. I mean, we... Showware Center. Yeah, my two playoff appearances in the league, they both came, we both played Seattle. And just the, the fans there are flipping crazy. Like, they, you know, you come out and they already got a song, you know, it was chanting, Rockets Suck, and it gives you goosebumps, right? And it just makes you want to shut them up and makes you want to play and and it's it's a tough rink to play against because the the flow of the game can switch like that once the fans get loud. I feel like you know the T-Birds they get another gear, especially in playoffs, and it's it's, it's crazy. Wheat Kings were on the uh, unfortunate receiving end of one of those switches of momentum earlier this season. This was before your arrival, but I'm sure you've heard the stories. And in spite of that, still a lot of Wheat Kings say that was one of their favorite barns of the year. Yeah, I, the boys were telling me about it, and we had something like that similar. And I think it was around two years ago is we were up one goal with like a minute left. They tie it up, and then they score another one, and it's just uh, probably one of the more heartbreaking losses in my career. And it was halfway through the season. It was game probably like 42 and it and that's still that game still sits with me because it's the fans they they'll let you know especially on the way out and you have to skate cross ice to go to your locker room and you hear it you know historically though the Wheat kings do enjoy that building uh thanks to the whl championship win back in 2016 uh the, the crowd there is electric and this and this has come up but uh to the point where when they do their chance and they always do portland sucks portland's and even though it was the Wheat kings playing us they still finished it by going back to portland so it was yeah. Wheat kings suck Wheat kings suck portland sucks and we we're we had a blast there we thought there was an incredible vibe uh something about those american crowds you know it's it's because it's not that you know when you when you come to games here and it's that style of hockey though that the, the, the fans appreciate we grow up going and playing in the outdoor rinks right on the ponds like that's the story of Manitoba hockey and and then how how we come up and it's a little rough and it is tough and you got to be tougher to play because you got to be tough to survive and down there it's it's still talky but the entertainment factor yeah. and what they can get away with yeah. uh, you know on the jumbotron and in the stands and, and then all the promos it's just it's just different right so it kind of breeds a different sort of energy um but now that you've played across both, there's got to be appreciation for both sides. Absolutely. I mean, even that – my dad came up uh, two weeks ago, and he just couldn't stop – he always just made the phrase, oh, the prairie hockey. You know, this prairie hockey is awesome, and it is. It's, 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 it's interesting to see all the different – like, I don't want to say cultures of hockey because at the end of the day it's the same thing. But everywhere you go, there's always something different. There's always something special. 
And you've been more places, by the way, than just the Western Hockey League, and we've been kind of waiting to bring this up, but uh, Nolan Flamin wouldn't have been the only Wheat King you knew when you came to the team because you were at Detroit Red Wings camp with Nate Danielson. Yeah, yeah, that was... Uh... Um, that was pretty awesome. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to go to the development camp and then get the invite to go to Traverse City for the prospect games and just walked into my hotel room and, and there was Danny and it was pretty funny. It was also, I, I don't know about him, but a comfort thing for me too to know that, you know, you're rooming with another guy in the Western League. You know, it's something that you can bond over and kind of break the ice pretty quick, as you will. And you're a physical D-man. And I've asked different guys over the years this question and gotten varying responses. Some guys find, especially when they're as big as you are, that when they go onto the pros, it's almost easier to play a physical game because you're not worried about you know letting yourself too far off the leash, so to speak, and maybe hurting someone. You can hit somebody as hard as you can when you're playing in those prospect tournaments. Yeah, I mean, especially being an older or a bigger guy, you get, you know, sometimes the, the, the hitting penalties of the elbowing and stuff like that because guys are smaller and... Yeah, you don't you don't have that problem over there because you know those those are big guys and uh, it's physical. But that being said, they're also fast as they're fast. <laughs> I can't, couldn't get over it, and just their their size and their speed and their dedication to their craft was something different, something I've never seen before. Uh, so we have got um, you already here for 20 minutes appreciate your time here but before we do uh, let you go we were talking about a couple of uh, fun themed jerseys that I know are going to be coming up uh, but we love talking about of course ours you've gotten to wear a, f- a few of ours what's your favorite Wee King jersey that you have worn so far this year what's your favorite look when you're out there I mean it, 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 I do sound a little biased because I did grow up around the University of Colorado and they were black and gold and I think you can't go wrong with black and gold no matter what I think it's the best color variation you can have um, I, I really like the black ones I think I just like the sleek black with the gold outlines I, I don't think you can beat it you will find no argument here I'm a fan of those as well and as a broadcaster I can read them from up in the press box. There are so many jerseys that are designed without that uh, subtle consideration. We'll, we'll see how these next ones go for you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten a sneak peek at them. They look okay. They look okay. Yeah, it's going to be all right. It's going to be really, really good, actually. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, for taking time and talking to us here today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Our thanks again to Jackson D'Souza for taking time out of his uh, week there last week to come up here in the Wee King studio and chat with us. Uh, you know, we've been on quite the streak of, uh, of new Wee Kings as of late, but uh, man, all these guys, it's, just, it's awesome to welcome them into the fold. It is, and they've all said the same things about being welcomed into the fold. The fact that they do feel welcome is huge because from their perspective, and some of these guys have come from very far away, you upend your entire life. You've got to say goodbye to coaches that you've known for years and worked with for years and people think head coaches when they think coaches but there's just the sheer number of individuals involved with player development in any given hockey team that you've probably grown close with assistant coaches development coaches skill coaches goalie coaches that you see around the rink every day trainers support staff yes even broadcasters that you get used to working with for years and years and years then there's your teammates and then there's your billet family your entire life just gets scooped up and dropped somewhere else across the country And to be able to make that transition smoothly is huge because if you can't make that transition smoothly, if you can't go into an environment where you're welcome after having to go all that way, it's going to have an impact on your mental health. It's going to have an impact on your play as a player and your development as a human being because it's something that is sometimes overlooked in junior hockey. You are developing people first and players second. These are all young men and they will be people longer than they will be hockey players. 
It's a great way to put it. Uh, and yeah, it's been so nice to hear, though, all these guys. Like the last couple episodes, even looking back, I mean, last time we had uh, uh, Nick and Rhett on, uh, I know that we have Jaden, we've had Mateo, and yeah, all those guys talking the same thing, right about the vibe of the room right now. And, and that's kind of showing th- through the play, like what we talked about before we had the interview of just lately the guys. I mean, even though the last game was a loss, it doesn't really feel like that much of a loss just no. with the stretch of games and the way that came at the end of three and three and the pushback at the end. Um, it, it, and as you heard from Jackson, like they feel like they could go up against any team in the league. And you describe the blades as possibly the best junior team in Canada right now. If you look at all the rankings and you look at all that, well, yeah, we took them right down to the wire. there the last game, right? So there's no saying that with enough push, these guys can't make that big push come playoffs. They've now beaten pretty much everybody in the conference. Only Calgary and Medicine Hat remain on the uh, the wrong side of the ledger on that one. And when you think over the teams in this conference, like Moose Jaw, they're a dead heat in the season series. Saskatoon, they're tied at two. Swift Current, they've won two, lost two. These teams that declared themselves at the deadline, these teams that said, we are pushing our chips all in and getting world junior caliber talent to go along with the rosters we already have, the Wheat Kings skated with those teams and have beaten those teams. So this is a team that can skate with anybody, and even if they don't have home ice in the first round, I guarantee you there are some teams on the other side of that dividing line between home and away first round playoff series. There are teams in that kind of two to four range who are possibly getting the Wheat Kings as an opponent as of now, and who are looking at the standings and saying, we don't want Brandon. We don't want them in round one. We just don't. What a uh, great spot that is to be in. So Wheat King fans, we hope to see you coming out to these last games. Uh, At this time of recording, there's only eight home games left in the regular season. That's unbelievable. It'll be six by the time we're done the weekend. It's it's crazy. Like by the time, you know, we, we, we have a little game day sheet internally that helps us uh, organize and, I always have to highlight the whole row once that game is done. And I'm going through and I'm looking at like, we have to keep scrolling down now. We got to keep scrolling down. There's only a handful left. And there's some big games in there uh, for opponents and for promo-wise. Not only have we got the theme jersey coming up uh, uh, this Friday, we have a second theme jersey that's going to be happening, of course, on a family day. Details be released on that. Uh, we got a special uh, couple of giveaways, including the Week King player cards. So keep it locked uh, for more details of that as they come out. Um, that one, I believe, is on the 19th, though. Uh, 16th, I think, for that 16th, one, because the yes. 19th is going to be a whole different kettle of fish. Sorry, the 19th is the holiday game. That's what I was thinking, right? Yep. So that's one's yeah, going to be a whole bunch of stuff happening in that game. We're getting into that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, so the game before uh, when uh, Calgary's in town, that's the game with me, player card giveaway night. Always a popular one for the fans as well. So uh, we hope to see out of the rink as the guys make the final push. And I know that they appreciate that support as we were talking about. The, the guys, they just get extra fired up. They're teens. They like to play in front of a loud crowd who's cheering for them. Absolutely. Big surprise. The best games the Wheat Kings have played this year, when you think about the crowds they've had in front of them, they've been supported by them. And for these guys, when you score a really nice goal or a really important goal in the third period and you look around, there's a big difference between seeing a lot of empty seats and seeing a lot of cheering faces. Uh, Before we get out of here this week, I did want to take a a minute in the Weekly Harvest for us to talk about uh, the Weekly Harvest of Fish, because, (laughs) uh, you know, fishing has to come up on the podcast as well. Uh, Still, no update. Nobody has told me anything, Rob, about about that mystery tackle box. Our mystery tackle box remains a mystery. If you're listening right now and you're like, what are they talking about? Uh, Last podcast, I was just telling the story of somebody sent me this mystery tackle box. It's this actual website where you can sign up for this thing, and it's mystery gift box, right? Anyway, I got one for Walleye, and I got one for Perch, and the box just had these great little hooks in it and booklets and info, and I was all into it. 
still nobody has claimed anything about it. Uh, I have used a number of those hooks. Um, I haven't seen a lot of fish in my shack since, but uh, I, I cannot wait to actually catch a big enough one. I, it has worked. We caught a couple small ones, but they have this little uh, chart that they want you to at least catch certain sizes to use whatever. Still looking for that one. But whoever got me the gift, if you are happen to be listening to this, more than appreciated. I am using it. I cannot wait to catch a big one on it. Uh, and here's a quick fishing story for you yesterday. I had to go move my shack. Uh, as one shack sits in one spot throughout the winter, water can gather around, especially now it's getting all melty. Want to get to a new spot just to kind of start fresh here. Uh, so I did that. And then yesterday after I, after I moved it, I drilled a couple holes and I, I marked it because I went there because of the depth of it. Right on a bit of a plateau coming off of the stream. I was like, okay, this is a good spot. I was there for an hour and a half, Rob. I had the camera down. I had a big minnow on the hook. The biggest walleye I have seen on the camera or in that lake, possibly in my lifetime, came and ate that minnow on my camera, and it snapped my line. I was, my jaw was like, it dropped. I was so mad. I was so mad. I could not believe on my new spot. So... I cannot wait to go back out fishing, try some of my new hooks that I got in that box that were designed for those big walleye because I know, I know there's one that is around my shack. Captain Ahab Falkovich has his white whale. <sighs> I was so, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was watching my camera for the hour and a half. There was like three little perch that were the size of the minnow came by, like <laughs> a tiny, tiny little perch. And then all of a sudden, this monster wally comes in. And I'm just, I saw him meet the hook, said it, little tug, broke it right off. Oh my God, that thing was huge. So I got to upgrade uh, everything, I think, but uh, that's the that's the fishing portion of the pod here this week. So on the one hand, losing the white whale kind of stinks, but on the other hand, a couple home games coming up, a giant walleye of all things appearing on your camera. I don't know if you believe in omens. That might be something. There we go. You know what? I got to find those giant walleye. We should play that that intermission game. We got to bring back the walleye this week. Now also an talking. omen because anyway, when we get my next day off, I'm going to go and I'm going to try to... Now, now I got a goal for the rest of the year. I know that walleye is in that lake. If I see you walking around with a harpoon, I'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going to be next. Uh, anyway, so that's the, the fishing portion of the weekly harvest this week. You got any fishing stories? None. I have Come been. On, uh, Rob. I, I have not been on the ice except while wearing skates this year. The ice is actually. Uh, it's you know people are like, is there still ice out there? Like, yes, yes. There's lots of ice. There's still two feet of ice. There's a little bit of water on the top of it. The ice in the lake doesn't melt like ice on a road does with asphalt and, and everything underneath, right? So it is a little bit different, um, but uh, hopefully we do get a little more freezing temperatures. It would be nice. Well, we do for that. But uh, yeah, it has been a warm winter, which I've been okay with, but I know ice fishers don't quite share my sentiment there. No, no. And all my people, all my friends who have uh, snow machines, very upset this year. Yeah. They have barely got to go sledding at all. Although I do have to say on one on that note... Uh, I was in Swift Current, of course, with the Weed Kings, and we was, I was chatting a bit with Matt Barrett, who was the voice of the Broncos there, and he was saying that in Swift Currents, they've had multiple days of 10-plus degrees. There is just no snow in that little corner of Saskatchewan. And Maple Creek had a day where, no joke, Maple Creek, Saskatchewan, was warmer than northern Florida. Yeah, 21 degrees. You know, I, when I saw that, I thought it was a hoax, and I actually went on, like, I showed I showed my girlfriend, Emma. I was like, Amber, look at this. this she's like... 
no. It's like, that's not real. Someone switched it to Fahrenheit. Yeah, like, somebody yeah. messed up. I'm like, I don't know. Let me look. I looked. I'm like, no, no. This is this is for real. This is for real. It was 21 degrees in Saskatchewan. It was 20 degrees in Florida. So, no, things are all kinds of nutty right now, but uh, all the outdoor rinks are closed. So if you want to come and watch some hockey, guess it's got to be indoors right now, right? So, uh, but TOC is in town uh, again coming up uh, on the weekend, a uh, different age group, but welcoming a whole bunch of more groups here to Brandon. So I know we're going to see a number of those teams uh, out here on Friday night. So hopefully uh, if uh, you are one of them, you have safe travels in and good luck with your tournament here this week. Any final thoughts, Rob? Only that I'm looking forward to a weekend where the Wheat Kings spend more time at home than on the road. There we go. Maybe you can come out to the shack. I mean, I'm going to be in Prince Albert on Saturday. Okay, well, maybe not. That's not a nice thing to call the Art Hauser, the shack. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love the Hauser. My time there for two years. That's a great broadcast spot. I would come up just to have a couple of beers with Sis, but you'd have them ready for you. That's a long way to go. All right, that's going to do it for this week of the Weekly Harvest Podcast. Until next week, he's Rob Mann. I'm Chris Falkovich. Call me Falco. We'll talk to you again. Cheers.